Welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Dang, that was... This is so fancy now. Be able to do... These intros right here while we're sitting, pouring ourselves coffee. I, Aaron Schneider. I, yeah, well, ladies I fe- and gentlemen. Hello, everyone. I feel um, under technology. Is that a word? Yep. I'm going to have to get From one you, of those. It's 100% accurate. Bosninians. I need to get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> that thing's awesome. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a podcast deck. So, yeah, I guess that's what you're supposed to have when you have a popular podcast. People didn't like uh, people didn't like when I do an iPhone somewhere, which it's not like I can carry this around. So if they want a podcast, they kind of have to deal with that. And then people still don't like ice cubes in a Yeti or drinking on the podcast, which they don't is like unfortunate. Cause eating peanut butter bars either. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can understand that one though. The coffee thing though, you have to accept that. Yeah. Well, right now we're getting ready to have our pot of coffee, so. <laughs> Aaron has to to ditch out of here for a few minutes. That's just because he's one of those guys. The poop master's at the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're here in Colorado at the TAC, or Total Archery Challenge, and it's day two. Yesterday, I scrambled up the mountain at like, I don't know, 8 or 9 o'clock, and I just thought, well, I'm just going to go all the way down to Target 5 because – There'll be some groups down there, and then I was just going to shoot a target or two with every group through the day. And much to my surprise, first person on the knock-on <laughs> range, of course, I, I come around the corner, and here's all you guys up to your shenanigans on the range. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was a good course. We got up there, and they, they said that um, the knock-on course and the prime course was, was the, the two like the most difficult, and they said... Um, that you had set up the the knock on course and it it, it was the most uh mo- the coolest one so that that's the way we went and then uh, <laughs> the first shot was um at a significant distance down in a hole and I'm like yeah this is gonna be interesting for this group because uh, my my wife was there and she hadn't shot that those type of distances and uh, I guess we only had one person stop about target ten with no arrows or no. He had three arrows left. They saved him for today. Today, that was his Saturday arrow. So oh. I think he lost nine by target 10 or 12. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot in the trees, man. Yeah, Holy I'm just God. looking at my notes because I shot it uh, two days ago. I had to do a walkthrough just to make sure it was good. First shot was 81 with a four-yard cut, I think. Yep. Yeah. There's that's, some There's some tricky ones. That's where that I knew, like, with the the rangefinder that yeah was, i was three point something away from everybody that first shot and i was like i'm glad i brought this thing because the second shot was a lion at 64 with like a a 17 inch gap or something i was like yeah all these arrow companies are gonna love john today <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's interesting it's a good course though well i think people want something different i mean they They don't want disaster, but they also like, you know, when people come off the range like that and maybe they've only lost one or two arrows, they feel really good about it. You know, they're like, they feel pretty dang pumped. I heard that multiple times when we got down the mountain of, uh, I only broke one and lost two. That was a victory. I'm like, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) That's what I love about TAC events is that, you know, you guys kept score because of what you do, but if it was ever for a competitive score, you would lose so many of the people that are just coming here to have fun with archery. Like you really would, and that's what I love about it. You know, I met a I met a family that drove all the way here from Texas yesterday. Another one drove all the way from Ohio, and they came that far just because they they just wanted to come and have a full weekend of archery somewhere and you know if you're going out and having to do a official start times with a you know official start times with a scorecard and everybody's you know having to 
shoot one arrow, take it super serious, like things slow down too. This was, well, that same guy, I, when I met up with them, they were on the bedded elk. That yeah. was a... Uh, it's a hundred and something. hundred, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 17 maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's a long one. And when he drew back, he was kind of about two or three feet left of the cone. And it was a clear, you're shooting through a clear lane of aspens, but there's one about halfway down that's kind of arcing over. And even though you're technically putting the elk in the the biggest part of the lane, at your highest apex, there's like a, a leaner down there to where if you don't understand how arc works, you're going to hit that leaner. So I told him, I said, hey, shoot from the stake because even though your lane's a little lighter, you know, tighter, you've got a way better direct path to the to the target with your height. And he's like, oh, no, this will be good. And he, he shoots and just wham, just smokes this tree about 60 or 70 yards down there, about, I don't know, 15 feet off the ground where there's no way he's going to get it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I pulled that one. And I go, you're lining up right at that tree. And he's just like, I'll just give it another one. He pulls back. I'm like, move to the right. You're you're lined up exactly the same. He sent another one right next to that first arrow. <laughs> and then he's just like, oh, hell, I'm not going to let this target beat me. And he loaded a third one. And I said, dude, step to the right. <laughs> and he, like, was convinced that he didn't need to. And he smoked it three times in that tree and never even, uh, never even got one down to the elk. Well, it, um, you, you know, I mean, obviously you, you've got with, with knock on, um, uh, I'm sure this price sound horrible, but you, but you would think if, if you speak, people would want to listen. Right. And, and we, <laughs> um, we run into it at the course where I'm like, Hey, um, we were shooting, uh, we had a sheep in front of a fence or a, a fence in front of a sheep. Anyway, I was, I was letting, I was explaining to people, if you range the fence and the fence is 36 and the, the target is 52 yeah. and you're, you know, splitting your 30 and 40 yard pin on the fence. I'm like, you're aiming at the fence. And they're like, no, you're not. And I'm like, yes, you are. And I like, no. And I'm like, no, you are aiming at the fence. You just don't know it. And it trying to explain that the arc to people. So I've grabbed people's bows and then just held it out and kind of eyeballed it and been like yeah we're gonna hit that branch because of the arc of the arrow and most guys in that 270 to 290 i can guess that mm -hmm. arc because that's the speed i'm used to in that 280s and a lot of what we were doing yesterday well i shot a tree twice um toes were downhill oh, and yeah. i should have bubbled back more and i shot the first shot broke clean and he was like you hit the tree and of course, everybody's like, oh, that's because generally I don't miss. And so just to confirm, I went ahead and sent another one <laughs> right beside the first arrow. They were probably, what, an inch apart in the tree. And I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't bubble back a little, quite as much as I probably should have. But that's that was probably an 86-yard, 84-yard downhill shot. And you put it where to hit a 10, you had to shoot an inch off the tree. Mm -hmm. Well, not bubbling i was three inches into the tree but that's you know that's a group like that at 84 yards so yeah. it's not it's not like you're shooting bad but you have to take all of that into consideration on these courses all those shots that i set were technical in one fashion or another like depending on you know if the if i knew there was going to be kind of an updraft you know it's almost like some of those shots i would put them to where the stuff that's sketchy on the on the edge of the kill zone would be on the on the updraft side or especially anything playing your bubble or your footing like when i'd stand on the stake i'd be like okay my front toes are down yeah i'm you're likely to go right you know your top limb's going to fall downhill yeah if you're right if you don't pay attention to those two things you're gonna you're gonna hit a tree or, or twice or, in or, one sitting <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and i the thing is is i i know better and i still yeah. to try to get it into the 10 you know i'm like i don't want to bubble away too much and the thing is is we were keeping score but um hopefully my group doesn't listen to this i didn't shoot great and i still was like 40 points ahead so i was trying yeah. some pretty daring shots i heard the score call outs and i was thinking 
Why are they really keeping score right now? Aaron, 187. Uh, next one was like 121. It, it was uh, it was it, like a tight fight for second, too. They were really pumped on that last target. Oh, yeah. Frank was hooting and hollering because he shot a five and beat Luke by two. I know. He, like, was salivating. Did you see, like, spit come out of his mouth? I, and he's like, I just beat you. And he's like, oh. What, what's funny is Luke talks so much crap, which – um. God, I hope he doesn't listen to this because he, he can kick the shit out of me physically. Uh, he <laughs> fights in a cage. Although he'd get winded. He, he's like Rudy, right? He'll shoot at 12, <laughs> and it'll bounce off three trees and hit the 12. Which I think he did he when did. I was there. And he will literally go on and on about that 12. And I'm like, Luke, I'm 40 points ahead. And he, I, he doesn't care. He just yeah. keeps – he's like the little engine that could. But yesterday, <laughs> he didn't – I don't think he's going to He's gonna bet me anymore. But when we shot um, – um, The Corskin Eye? What's that? The Corskin Eye, too. He kind of oh. was terrible at that shot. <laughs> well, then – so that's typical Luke. He fires the first arrow two feet over the ram's back, and his second arrow is a 10. And he's trying to convince everybody that was his first arrow. And Amy's like – why would you have shot a second if your first arrow was a 10, Luke? And it's it's fun. I mean, we I normally wouldn't really keep score because when you're dropping 100-yard bombs, I mean, you can do it, but it, it, it's you're shooting for fun. Yeah. But, yeah, Luke immediately and his little partner in crime, Skinny Cody, like break out the – they have an app on their phone, and they're Gosh. entering it. And it, that's when, <laughs> when you said, you guys are keeping score, you're serious. And I looked at you, I was like – Luke likes to gamble a lot. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, that was very serious. I think, though, that these kind of courses, I would say if people really pay attention, is when I say pay attention, it's fun, but you will learn more from a course like this than any other course. I mean, a Amy learned more yesterday probably about hunting situations because when you're talking about updrafts yeah. and toes downhill or uphill or whatever, um, you, can, you really – can kind of learn like okay this is a realistic hunting shot or shooting through tunnels like tunnels have never bothered me i got good arrow flight mm -hmm. so if a tunnel that's two feet wide bothers you you certainly should not be taking that shot because you should be able to shoot through it well two it's the width of a tunnel. block target yeah exactly i mean but to when you're stand when you're standing in a two foot gap here and then like that ram that was down that hill yeah. that that uh doll it's still two feet down there, but it looks like it goes from two foot to six inches, but it's still two feet down there, and you have to just block all that out and just only focus on what's directly in line with your pin. Don't look and, at the trees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have to say probably the most deceiving shot yesterday. Um, In fact, I dropped several four-letter words because usually I'm within a couple yards. Yeah. We walked up that caribou. The mini I was boo. like, M, M effer. <laughs> I would say that was 55 yards. Oh, yeah. It was 40. And now I 12, I, I pin, I mean, I pinwheeled it once. I when I was like, I was like, if that's, that's 40 yards and I, I'm ranging and, and I'm like, there's no way. I probably yeah. ranged it 17 times. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not hitting anything. And then we got down there and I'm like, oh, it's the mini caribou. No <laughs> wonder. That's deceiving, man. It's super deceiving because it's not much bigger than like a, a greyhound. No, it's like bones, the little deer. Yeah, but it's super small. It was downhill through a somewhat of a tunnel. You had Dark shade. To light. And it, yep, shaded to shade the light. And I'm looking at it thinking, on my best day, I can get that to maybe 48 yards, which is a miss. Yeah, and, <laughs> but I, it was it was a good course. I I had a bunch of people messaging me last night, like, um, hey, you know, what are you going to shoot tomorrow? What you know, what are you going to are you? Because a, a, a recurve on any of those courses is not, I mean, unless you just want to lose every arrow you have. Yeah. It, but I think we're going to shoot maybe the loophole course or, or one of the shorter ones and I'll scoot up today. But with a recurve, if you have a little time, mm -hmm. that that place is, that's an awesome way to shoot because, oh. you, you know, as far as like um, realistic shots because of the aspens and everything, I mean, you've got a lot of, of uh, terrain around to kind of sneak around and make it realistic for... I mean, because it's it, 30 and 40 yards with a recurve, that's the most challenging course you could ever ask for because it's yeah. just not flat ground. So Yeah, it's it would this whole hill right here would be super maneuverable if you were really spotting and stalking. Yeah. Well, you know what, one, what shot I thought looked the most realistic was uh, 
I don't I shouldn't say that, but it looked realistic was that bedded mule deer that was up the hill on the left edge of the timber. He was in the lane. Yeah. Was he kind of just like bedding, like right in a little shade patch when you guys came? Yeah, because there was like a little overhang that like cast like a little shade circle. Yeah, down in the center of this, you know, it was a ski run, and it looked so similar to a big buck just kind of bedding right outside of the aspens, just kind of taking up that last little bit of shade, but still having some vantage point. Yeah, that's target eighteen. That was towards the end. Yeah, yep. yeah, it was right and. It's funny because here in this um, area, I think I mentioned to you yesterday, this used to be like the one of the premier mule deer areas. Yeah. It's, it's been piss pounded. And in the high country, even though there's not ski slopes in the wilderness, you get a lot of terrain that looks like ski slopes. And you get that same exact thing. They're just on the edge where they can bounce into the timber, mm-hmm. but they're under the shade of the tree. And that's when I walked out. I'm like, that's about as realistic a shot as you could get because he was two yeah. yards into the, the opening just chilling and that was um and then when you step to the stake and you're like well where's the shot and you finally find him he's just looking (laughs) right at you like ears were just straight out and you're like this is when you know like i'm totally busted i don't even know if i could get an arrow out of my quiver right now he's just locked onto you like when it's realistic sucker height of the grass the whole nine yards you know as far as what you what you see in those shots but what um when you like uh when you because when you set these up, well, I mean, how many guys did you have set up that course with you? I think there was five or six of us. Yeah, it was in like a half day's worth of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because I was looking at it like um, uh, that is a good cardiovascular upper body hammer swinging workout because uh, <laughs> there's no trails, right? It's all bushwhacking. Dude, and my so. hip flexor, I didn't sleep most of last night because I, I kind of, I think it was... Um, I think it was somewhere on that last target in that little ditch where you fell. I stepped and like it was a lot lower than I thought, and I really like stotted my like a straight leg into a hole. Yeah, and I think I just like impinged my hip socket, but it was just like kind of throbbing slow all night in bed, and my right like outside hip socket muscle, whatever that is, is not gonna like going up on the mountain again today. <laughs> it. What with uh, the to- the total archery you know challenge in in general with people it's funny because um I don't a lot of people uh, like don't know what to expect when they've never yeah. been and so two days before I had a group of guys like uh, hey you should shoot your recurve and show everybody how well you shoot and I'm like have you ever been to one of these and they were like <laughs> no why and I'm like to prove myself yeah I was like that is the dumbest shit I've ever heard <laughs> and uh I'm like do you want to be the one guy in the group that says hey this is a par four I need to scoot closer yeah and I'm like man I I the comp and, and I'll shoot the stick today but uh, to put things into reality or 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 understand even the difficult or even the easy course for average shooters you're probably going to miss two or three or miss two or three times or potentially hit a tree because just because it's sub 60 Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's not a tunnel or a side hill or you know whatever and so unless i just want to go lose a bunch of arrows and and everything it is a course that you really need to to look at in the sense of let me shoot every shot and have fun and learn what what happened from each from each shot and not do it for like you're going to win something like you know like you're going to prove yourself here because it's too big it's not scored i mean it is scored but it's not like a an asa right yeah get out and learn and fling some arrows don't take it too serious because i had a lot of guys yesterday that were like really wanting to turn their scores in them i didn't even know they had scorecards i didn't i don't either yeah they handed me one yesterday and i was like what's this yeah (laughs) i've never seen that so that's kind of cool yeah. yeah, I mean, it's cool for, I guess, the guys that – it would be fun if there were four guys and you just said, okay, we're going to do, like, best ball type thing. Yeah. You know, and see how good you can shoot it if everyone kept, you know, only counted their best one. I don't think – I still don't think you would clean it. Even if there were, you know, mixed teams of pros like Redding style, I would find it mm-hmm. very hard for – you know, I think back to some of my partners that I had from Redding, and some of them were freaking unreal, and I – think it would be very very hard for me to justify that it could be cleaned i don't um i would bet a very 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 large amount of money that your course um well 
I would, I, I guess your course, the prime course, any of those more difficult courses, I don't think anybody in the world could clean it. Yeah. Just, there's yeah. too much shit going on. I yeah. mean, and you think about some targets you draw back on, you <clears throat> can't see them all. Like, yeah. you can't see where to aim. So some of that's luck. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Like, you're picking a leaf to aim mm-hmm. off of, hoping that that drops in, and you can't be lucky for 25 targets. I mean, you well, might get that, a couple. That grouse was uh, <clears throat> not cool is what that grouse was. I mean, that. <laughs> how far was that grouse? I think it was 54 or 48. 53.8. Yeah, and so I... I'll, I'll do a read-through on targets. Target one is that... <laughs> Because I just wrote down yardages in, like, my mistakes. It was 81 with a four-yard cut. Second one was 55 with not much of a cut. The third one. Hold on. we got to add. It's 55 through the aspens of an 18-inch gap. And then the line is on the backside of the gap. And you couldn't find the target for, like, two <laughs> minutes. So I'll add lib on a few of these. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, and then had that, uh, there was a 38 I think this was the doll, 38 yards, but it was 43. It was a five-yard cut. Then there was kind of a shorter one, 30-something. Then and there it was, was a, darker than the ace of spades. Then, then, there, <laughs> then there was that uh, that buck that was right next to that big poplar yeah. out in the open. He was 81 and a half, but range 85 straight up. And then uh, the next one was, was it the Black Panther 85? Man, With that the, was that. It, there was one that was. It was hard to find a target. <laughs> there was then a there couple. Was a 52, like then there was a fifty-two. Then there was a sixty-two, which I had shot for sixty-four. With my rangefinder, still shot low. Um, then there was that thirty-one and a half, which that was the coyote. That was kind of a. That was a good one. Then there was a forty-yarder downhill. Then there was a fifty-yarder. That forty-yarder was the caribou, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was thirty-nine point five. That was the caribou. Then you had a forty-yarder with a two-yard cut. Then you had a hundred and ten-yard bedded elk, but you had to shoot for one hundred six. Yeah, is what you know. Most people's rangefinders were telling them like one hundred eight to one hundred nine, and they were still shooting above the core. We got to talk about that rangefinder after this. Then there's a seventy-one-yarder with that was range in seventy-three. Then there was that fifty-nine yard buck out in the out in that opening, like we talked about. Then two that were sixty-five in a row. Then there was a hundred and twenty-one yard um hogzilla that you had to shoot for one seventeen. Let's talk about that for a second. So the cows <laughs> pushed that flat. Oh, they did. So we're trying to I thought it was this is how weird it looked. I thought it was a wolf. I couldn't tell. So oh, we get to it and it's literally like like this. Mm. And I'm like what kind of target is that? <laughs> and so when we get down there, all of our arrows are sticking in its spine like this because it's parallel Dang, to the ground. Dude, you guys had good height, honestly, <laughs> for as narrow as that would have been. Yeah. Then there's a 46 and a half, a 52, a 53, 50.5, a 59. Then there's that 77-yarder. And then finished with the 82, like, open country Catalina. Or no, it was a... Was it a mouflon or? I think it was a mouflon. Either way, there was a boulder right in front of it. I mean, it's a good example. There was a, a boulder that kind of curved on the right side of the 810 line, and then there was some leaves on the left side. So there, there was a V there that you could drop it in, but the way that the side hill worked and the wind and everything, it was catering to blast one into the boulder. So <laughs> I would bet if you look at that rock today. I was going to say, I want to see today when I go up, I want to see what target. And that rock chuck, honestly, one of those 53.8s was a rock chuck in, in well, it was a wood chuck, wood chuck. technically. In the wood. Was in wood. Yeah. <laughs> and then that other, like, you know, 50 high 50s one was a grouse downhill with like a two two yard cut and you had to lean i leaned against a tree for that one because of the <laughs> angle but on that rock chuck that's the one luke posted that film i shot and i i i it i thought for sure i hit it good well i'm shooting 80 some pounds and my arrow went through so i got a five yeah but i was like you know f you and i loaded you it because you couldn't see the knock no yeah exactly so yeah. then i bubbled in to shoot a little bit right well then i flat out just missed it because i gave it to so my first arrow was good but i think only two people hit it in our there was arrows all over in that wood pile um 
But you got to figure that woodchuck's not much bigger than this coffee pot. So yeah, yeah. that is true. <laughs> yeah, this French press is about woodchuck size. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the other one, there was another one that I was literally when I got up to, I'm like, this is going to be dangerous for a lot of people. Oh, uh, you and that one through there was a it was a fifty seven or sixty something yard white tail through the. There's arrows, I bet, all over up and down those aspens because oh, of the yeah. arc. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was good. But. I hit that one long hog bomb. <laughs> I I mean, I thought I would clear, but I didn't clear. And, yeah, that arrow, like, once it went through those branches, it was three and a half feet over the top of that thing. Well, and six feet left. Like, we are looking for it. Well, you hit a 10 or a 12 on your... Yeah, once once I knew how to like, I had to shoot from my knees practically to be able to like clear the arc. The uh, yeah, I've heard, I forgot about that shot. That was we we both shot. I I hit you. It was you my, cut it was my, lumber. It was yeah. my fuck. No, I yeah. um I made it through, but I I think that um that was another that was another target where you walking up to it. We were that was downhill through, and then the, the hog was in an opening. You're through timber in the beginning. And I, I would bet, I'd be willing to bet that, I mean, today will be better. But you think about how many people hit all of those limbs in the way uh, yesterday. Yeah. It, it it's it's So, like, there could be eyeballs lost walking through the timber from all the arrows sticking out at head level through a lot of these <laughs> targets. I was thinking of that yesterday. Oh, gosh. But, yeah. I would Major have to, liability on the knock-on range. I was talking to sean about that today because i was i was like how'd it go yesterday he goes well we had two people jam knocks in their legs pulling arrows out yeah i and did see that one, said, one guy in our range one of the groups i shot with like impaled himself with an arrow yeah well i can see well you said that amy was like i can see why they have you sign that waiver yeah um not because it's anything sean's doing wrong this is one of the safest places i've ever it's so yeah. fast right yeah um but I can see people falling down hills, and then quite honestly, I've heard stories of people showing up in cowboy boots and jeans that are a little short for their weight and biting off more than they can chew and then well, rolling down the mountain. One of one of my friends that was here as part of our group last night when we were cooking out, he just told me flat out, he's like, I've, I just, like, today made me realize how out of freaking shape I am. He's like that. He goes, I, I wanted to just come come back he goes i couldn't i couldn't shoot anymore he said i was just too sore and i was winded i thought i was going to die of a heart attack up there this to me this time of year this is such a good prep because i know i've got like an early season elk tag i've got two elk tags that are kind of mid-august and beginning of september so being able to get up here and walk this course every day and just go up and down is it makes such a huge difference because normally on a hunt, it's like the first day you struggle, but you're okay. The second day you do better. But then the third day when the soreness sets in, you like have to get past the soreness thing. And then normally by the fifth day on a mountain, you know, if you're from the Midwest, by the fifth day you can keep up, you know, but it's like there's, there's learning to get oxygen doing better getting oxygen but you know being just a little bit slow and then all of a sudden the muscle fatigue of having to pick your feet up higher than you ever had that kicks in and then once that wears off then you can kind of put it all together yeah we're lucky we live at ten thousand. yeah it's a it's it's night and day and and i don't think people realize what like you can if you're mentally tough you can make it through rain yeah. right or, or cold you know or yeah you're not mentally toughing your way through altitude. You just yeah. got to get used to it. I mean, you, lactic acid builds up. You might be able to push harder one guy or another, but I've I've had people like, how, how do you deal with altitude? I'm like, I, get you, in the you, altitude. Yeah, I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, how do you prep for it? I'm like, do a bunch of cardio, but man, you you just gotta. It's gonna take two or three days to acclimate, and and some people. Um, in high altitude, they just get altitude sickness, and they're going to get it the rest. They don't. They can't hunt at high altitude. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough. Do some with people that. not actually acclimate. Um, I don't know if it's an acclimate thing or not, but there are some people that when they get altitude sickness, um, meaning headaches in the whole night, yeah, they get it every time, no matter what. And oh, they dang. just don't ever. Uh, Nate Simmons with West, I think he's with Western Hunter. Mm -hmm. Something. He's one of those guys where. 
it's like he wants to cut his head off because his headaches are so yeah. bad. So the and, pressure just feels like your head's gonna pop. Yeah, aspirin really helps. You know, if you haven't been there at all, just taking two Bayer aspirin aspirins and you know just trying to thin your blood down a little bit and drink lots of water. Yeah, you know those two things, electrolytes. Yeah, I mean that for sure helps. Yeah. Well, what's your first hunt? Um, I think, well, I may help out on some sheep hunts, but my first hunt is going to be Colorado antelope and then New Mexico antelope. Uh, there will be the first two. Are you going to hunt like openers over water type thing? Or are you going to wait until you can? I, well, I think I'm going to, I'm going to, no, I, <laughs> I need to get an antelope on the ground with that stick bow. And so as much as I like low crawling through cactus, I'm going to sit in the ground one. Um, <laughs> we, we, I've done both and. My the guy well Alex right he yeah. um la- the last year the year before we got sub sixty a few times which is difficult yeah. for antelope mm-hmm. and I mean I remember he uploaded a video on his story about he was not happy about the recurve he's like throw that piece of shit away because he you know with the compound we you know you can get within sixty he's shooting every day yeah yeah and he's like dude you know f that bow. <laughs> But uh, but so we're gonna do uh, ground blind on water holes because, you know the the, I've I've been pretty lucky with the different animals I've gotten to shoot in a short period of time with the recurve and I I haven't shot an antelope yet so that's yeah. been a pretty big goal for me this year. I think water holes is a different type of mentality too. It's in a way it's very similar to like the type of thinking that you have to have for whitetail rut. Yeah, how you're like you know I know once it hits November. I know, okay, this is going to be all day sits. Like if I go out, it's going to be a 13 hour thing. I know that's what's going to happen. And, you know, and it's not like, it's not like I feel miserable in, in the tree that long. It's just, I knew that was what was coming. And with early season antelope, it's the same thing. You almost have to just laugh about the fact of by one o'clock, you're going to be in your underwear sweating to death looking at an antelope that's 220 yards away bedded down in the grass and you're like are you gonna come here tonight sucker yeah well i was trying to uh prep her for what you just said <laughs> and i'm like ah i don't know that you're gonna like doing this but we can give it a whirl and and because i i freeze two gallon water jugs mm-hmm. and one of them's generally on one part of my body or another as i'm in my underwear praying to god that the wind blows a little bit through the the blind yeah. windows. I mean, it's just, it, you brought, I mean, the white tail thing's a very good example. When people ask, um, uh, not to get overly dramatic, but, you know, how can you sit in a tree stand all day? It's like, well, how bad do you want it? Yeah. If you want it pretty bad, you better sit in the tree all day during the rut. Yeah. Like, you know, and you can be successful sitting in the morning and the evening, but truly, especially antelope on water holes, there's no rhyme or reason. Sometimes they just show up, and that could be at 1 o'clock. There's uh, no time restraint with those suckers. I've yeah. had them. I've I've been there to where the farmer like drives you out to that blind, and you see the you see everything scatter, and you're like, great, you know, it's at least three hours now of waiting for stuff to be peering your way, like deciding if it's going to come back. And I, and then I've got dropped off, and then all of a sudden, by the time I'm unpacking my stuff, it's like holy crap, like one's already like came back. And then I've had it where it's you're looking at one out there bedded the whole day and you're looking at your watch like, okay, there's two minutes left of light. And then you're like, the freaking thing hasn't even moved. And then all of a sudden they just like stand up and just freaking beeline in with like seconds left on the clock. See, everybody, you know that John is telling the truth. He's hunted antelope because that shit happens every, <laughs> every, every scenario. He just said it will happen in a season if um, uh, you hunt antelope and what's uh it, it what's funny is it, well, this isn't that funny it's horrible my one chance uh, Alex dropped me off getting the ground blind and so I usually get my stuff out and I'll take a couple photos before the antelope come yep. in so I snap the photos in my camera and I'm looking at them and there's an antelope drinking <laughs> and I'm so I put my phone down and and so obviously I'm not being the quietest because this was in three yeah. minutes yeah of me and there's the animal, and literally, so he's looking. I put a decoy up by in front yeah. of my blind, like it, the decoy's drinking water. Yeah. And the the antelope's walking to the decoy slow, like what's going on? And 
Why is there some fat dude moving around in the blind? <laughs> so that was, and and then again, where you talked about, you, you know, you, your excitement in the blind is when you see an antelope and probably four or 500 yards out, which is nothing for an antelope to cover. Yeah. It gives you like a false hope that it might come in where he walks by and then they'll do exactly what you said. Then they'll bend. And then you have something to look at for the next hour, hoping he gets up, but he may not get up for like a long time. And then when he does, he may sprint 400 yards directly to you and be there in about 45 seconds right before dark, and all of those things happen. And antelope have some kind of weird ADD, too, where, you know, if you were listening to the commentary between me and my camera person, because, you know, you're also crouching down looking through windows. Like, what's sorest for me on antelope hunts is my neck because I'm like crouching down trying to peek through holes and it's like all right he's up he's up he's coming he's coming yep three does are looking this way three does are looking this way no he just saw another buck and he's yeah yeah he's a mile and a half <laughs> still running still running still running and you're like oh the does are looking the does are looking and they're coming then all of a sudden you realize ah oh, freaking horse just came in split them apart you know yeah, just nonstop commentary like that. It's except it's 108 degrees in the blind. <laughs> the only thing you left out. It already gets hot in that ground blind. It is the best way to shoot a big one. Yeah, you know, honestly, it is the best way to shoot a big one. You can decoy some of the, I guess, probably subdominance. You know, I've done really well at, but it's kind of hard to uh, to find a one of those real mature bulls that doesn't he's either not with a bachelor group or he's not with a a bunch of does you yeah. know and it's like you kind of have to have have you ever um hey you just saw her like not like, like 30 <laughs> minutes ago dude you can't wake up and start growling at people that's around you um have you ever had have you ever put decoys all around your blind in the middle of a field have you ever seen that that i did where i where i paint cardboard and then just put de uh, doe decoys all the way around your ground blind in the middle of a field and a lot of those satellite bucks that are kind of cruising around they look over there and there's no buck there with those does and at times i've had some of my biggest bucks i've ever shot the does see those other does and find security there and they kind of come in and then you know i've had 20 30 uh antelope around me and then finally got the big one shot just from having the doe decoys like 360 degrees around the blind my, I, I saw that and my buddy does that or or he'll put them all around the water hole yeah this is like a sense of security for something you know coming in because in, like one decoy can almost be bad when it's not in the too rut. much focus yeah 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 exactly and then when you know if the wind's blowing in in the case of eastern colorado and occasionally you're your decoy just disappears, bounces off the ground, and comes back up. Like I had a, um, you know, a softer, um, you know, soft material decoy, and it it's funny because uh, my buddy, his back of his truck, he's got the uh, whatever they are, the hard, um, you know, like a uh, plastic decoy, full body. Mm -hmm. But he puts those all around. But that fills the back of his truck up. You know, yeah. you put eight of those around a water hole. That's so will be goose hunting. Oh, it's yeah, it's all <laughs> it's it's work. But I on the the antelope. Um, I I think like where 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 Alex and I are going is more pasture country. Yeah, and where we hunted the last couple of years is a lot more broken terrain, more conducive to stocking. Where that pasture country. There's only water in, in water tanks where, you know, we were hunting a lot of ponds and stuff like that, which which can work. You know, it just it depends. The thing is, is when um, the, the, the numbers aren't high where they're at, they're, they're decent, yep. but they shoot a lot of 90 plus inch goats out of there. So oh, you get geez. some some tanks. And well, that one I shot, uh, the one I was telling you about with him uh, uh, three years ago with my my compound, um, that was like mid eighties, yeah. and it was not the biggest goat we saw that day. That was just a goat we could get on, and he was kind of pissed we shot it. Give it's me an funny idea. how they have like some of those huge goats. It seems like when you have pockets of big goats, there's like a lot in one area yeah. that are big. It's it doesn't seem like it's very normal where you go antelope hunting and there's one ninety incher everywhere, kind of going around. It's like either they're all kind of Eh, or there's multiple like bombers. Well, this this is a 
when he figure out, because he mostly deals with rifle hunters, not archery for antelope. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was like looking at the regs and he's like, are you shitting me? This is over the counter for archery? And I was like, yeah, why? He goes, this is a trophy rifle unit. Yeah. And uh, it was him and a buddy of mine were stalking on one that he literally, he saw it was high 90s, you Jeez. know, like the largest antelope. And he's he's got a 98-inch or he shot on the wall. Dang. And uh, has, he's has like. Has anyone shot a triple digit antelope? I think the world record's 101 or oh, 102. Oh, it, it, it has been broken? Dude, it's like. It's insane. Yeah, it used to be in the high 90s, I remember. Well, it was in this unit uh, for a while. The one, of the one of the largest ever shot was in this unit I'm talking about. And on the stock, he's like... Sounds it, like just outside Arizona. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, well, the world record was from outside yeah. Arizona. Yeah. We'll have to look at that when we're Outside done. of Phoenix, I think. Yeah. Um, but he's like, hey, get your wallet out. Let me see your tag. And he's like, I told you I got my tag. He's like, I don't give a shit. Let me see it. We're making sure this is legit. <laughs> And uh, he looks at his tag, and the guy's, he'd never seen an antelope really or killed one. Yeah. And so he didn't know, and they get to 54, and um, he doesn't want to shoot. And Alex was like, look, you need to shoot now. And Alex knew what was in front of him, and he literally is about to cry, and then it it, it literally gets up and walks off. And Alex is sending me photos of it, and I, I mean, it was like 18 inch 19 yeah. i mean different whole different looking animal almost but but hopefully as i say that 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 thing's alive for a reason because it's going to walk in front of my water hole this year <laughs> <laughs> well, it does that'll be awesome yeah. hey we need to talk about that rangefinder because i actually had heard some about the rangefinder but i've also been skeptical because i just don't feel like anyone has a rangefinder nailed you yeah. know that they all have holes in them um like several years ago when I shot the tack out here, I realized the limitations to my old Leupold mm-hmm. 1200. And I knew there's been limitations to like my Nikon stuff forever. But then the Leupold one had limitations. And then uh, Remy sent me a Vortex one. And that one seemed to work okay. But there were certain colors that it really did not like at all. Yeah. Which was a problem. But. The rangefinder that you had yesterday was the only one out of everybody's, including mine, that truly gave me numbers of what, you know, I needed to shoot based on my sight. I needed to shoot those cuts for that were, that was bang on. Well, I think I told you on that, one of the targets I said, normally I'm let down when I hear this is going to do X, Y, and Z. Oh yeah. I hear that all the time. And so... They, they sent it, and I probably had six months, I guess, maybe. Um, and, you know, so I, we live in the cliffs, right? We yeah. live, and so I started doing the cut charts and the clinometer and breaking down the math and then ranging it. And, okay, well, yeah, you know, so I'm I'm figuring out real quick that this is deducting off the excess yardage because some people say 32, 22 degrees, 70 yards yeah. is where a normal range finder, because it's figured out off a of pie, I guess. Yeah. Is the, um, goes to hell in a hand basket and, and yep. you start to not cut enough well this has the it archers. just repeats the same percentage of cut versus raising the percentage of cut you know because of the distance or yeah. the angle yeah and so this has the archer's advantage sight tape program inside and so you do your peep height and your speed and your arrow weight and you marry it up to your bow and we were talking our peep heights are about an eighth inch off yeah uh, which is close close enough and our speed, I think I'm shooting 282. I don't know what you're shooting. Probably in there because I've yeah. got a 520 something green arrow. Yeah. So and 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 neither none of us are perfect. So within a point one two three yards, I mean it's right there. So yesterday it was funny because we're ranging and I'm like my rangefinder on every target was a yard or two different, sometimes four. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, it's the loop pulled full draw four, and it's the first one that I have found that. Well, everything we bounced off of, we were right there as far as what your rangefinder said and what you should shoot it for and what my rangefinder was saying. Yeah, what mine was saying, when I shot it for what mine was saying, I was hitting high. Uh, you know, if it was if it was a target that was reaching triple-digit numbers that had a percentage of cut to it, you know, I would say, what do you think that bedded elk was, 30 degrees? Yeah, I would say 28 to 30, yeah, right. So 30 degrees, it seemed like it was only deducting like two yards, 
at that distance. And I, I had to cut almost four yards from my site to be able to shoot tens on that. And I, and I would sit there and shoot a group yeah. and be like, okay, well, this is a hundred percent what I have to shoot this thing for. So I can tell you the total cut, um, from, uh, you know, what, uh, the actual distance was, was 127, I think, or no, 117. And then yep. after the cut, mine was 107, mm-hmm. but everybody else's was ranging, I think, 110. Yeah. Um, yeah. Three yards. Yeah. And so, and we, you know, because we were talking about it, because every, uh, again, like people were shooting out the, the top. Yeah. And um, so we just put every, I mean, literally, I ranged every target because it just wasn't, unless it was flat ground, it just, that rangefinder literally and 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 again i mean i don't i'm generally let down and i hate to brag about something this much but i cannot encourage enough people especially if you're hunting in in steep angles and cliffs it'll save your your hunt i mean phil mendoza a couple percent he shot three arrows over 180 inch ram um i mean he he shot a little daisy patch group right over the top of it well he the the rangefinder was 3.2 yards off and at 80 yards Oh that's, yeah, that's a miss. So and really, it's only if you know you're talking only a little bit of a percentage that if if for some reason it's not calculating that in. Yeah. I wonder, um, are those going to be on the market soon? I I'd heard about them. I think they're going. They're at dealers now, like shipping to dealers oh, now. Awesome. I've had I've had this thing, and I made the mistake of talking about it, and then I shut up because everybody's like, "When's it coming out?" And because I, I truly like it's uh, like me telling people when stabilizers are coming in yeah. it's like i want to tell you but then <laughs> next week all of a sudden we're going to get a call saying you know california doesn't allow ups trucks to go through anymore so now we're like at another hurdle oh man that's the worst well and i you know with with people um you know want, wanting this one of the funniest well i say funniest the price tag on it's five hundred dollars i think 550 um you know, you think about it, and guys are like, "Oh, what's the best cheaper one?" And I'm like, "There is no best cheaper one." I don't, one. Uh, I don't really have an answer for that, right? I'm like, this literally can save your hunt, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is it. And guys are like, "Well, I'm not as rich as you," and I'm like, "Well, let's break it. Let's break it. Let's break this down. Like, is it not worth an extra hundred dollars?" Because another yeah. range, usually range finder is going to be around three or four hundred bucks for for any of them. Yeah. Why would you not spend the extra money when it can truly save your hunt? And when, when well, even at an event like this, like people come here. If you were shooting any slower on three of those targets, where I know for a fact my rangefinder wasn't telling me what I truly needed to shoot it for, you know, you you throw, you know, sixty dollars or seventy dollars of arrows away on one course. Yeah. Then in one weekend. It's already more than paid for itself. Yeah. You know, if you come to something like this, that's, it honestly makes it fun. It's like, it's like getting, it's like when someone builds you a bow and it actually fits you. And, yeah. and when you shoot it, you hit what you're pointing at. Yeah. You know, then it's like, oh, okay, this is, this is fun. But yeah, you might have had to pay an extra 150 bucks for that extra two hours of time. Yeah. You know? I just, it's all a matter. It's, well, I guess until someone, which has happened to um, you and I, and maybe hasn't happened to other people, but I, I bring up Phil Mendoza, but I, I mean, on, on my case, a mule deer hunt, if you backpack in seven miles and you're on your seventh day of a hunt and you've got a 37 degree shot at 64 yards and you range it and then you shoot over the back because your range finder's off, would you have paid the extra $150? Because... um You've wasted seven days of your life in pain and anguish to screw that <laughs> yeah. up. So I look at it that way because I've been there, and so it's like it's it's no different than guys like oh I, I'm going to buy a hundred and twenty dollars set of boots I can't afford the good ones and I'm like well those are on your feet every day <laughs> yeah you might want to spend a little extra money on that um you know or or on the footwear in the case of the rangefinder well, I would say in did this I tell day you about age, my first day out here on the mountain. The first oh, day out. Did it take a crap on you, your one rangefinder? No. Well, yeah, that happened, my old <laughs> rangefinder. But I was up on the mountain, and probably about an hour or two hours in, I was like, I'm getting the worst hot spots in my boots. And I and I told him, I said, I don't want to unlace everything. I said, but I feel like I just have a bunch of, like, 
grass seed, like, you know, just like digging in me. And so finally we stopped long enough to where I didn't feel bad, like holding everyone up, pulling over and sitting down and unlacing my boots. And, and I had my Krispies with, and I pulled my boots off and I like tipped it upside down. And I figured I was going to dump a bunch of like old prairie grass seed or something out and nothing came out. So then I like look in my boot and realized at the end of last hunting season, my soles were so torched that I just chucked them. So when I went to pack for this trip and threw my Krispies in my backpack, they had no insoles. So I was just walking on all the stitching on the bottom. And uh, so then I went to, you know, I went to Walmart and got some like Dr. Scholl's. And that's yesterday. It like all the jelly on those things were just like oozing out like the sides. <laughs> so yeah, I've uh, made the crucial mistake of not having the right footwear. You know, I've got to have the right soles. Yeah, definitely for something like this. But well, man, I should probably yeah, go you so get rocking. We got to get up there. Yeah, I was gonna say. I'm sure people are gonna be pestering you as well. But I think they open up. I just want to get to the lift before it opens so I can. Um, get up the hill and not get caught it's going to be a, a nut house here today like a madhouse there'll be a lot of people yeah. well cool dude we need to do it again as always and uh i don't know make sure you check out aaron's kafaru cast i don't think anyone that listens to us doesn't know you i would say on the same spectrum on on ours everyone i i this was, by the way, we did this podcast before, like, I've just seen a few archers finally walking by. We did this early in the morning, uh, two French presses of coffee, and I feel like my brain's starting to think about waking up right now. So this isn't a, this is like our first serious podcast we've ever done. People might not know, well, they're probably going to hate it because normally we say something stupid Yeah, at least every three minutes. I do, I have to say that the... I get tagged almost everything I'm tagged in. It's related to a tech side of archery. We're both tagged in. Yeah. So yep. whatever we're doing, people like, because, um, you know, it's like, well, the only place I can get good realistic information is, is these places, which is good because if no one was listening to me, I'd stop doing it and hunt more because it is time consuming. So I'm glad we're helping people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody. We'll see you on the mountain. Knock on. See you, Aaron. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com